Amazing. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Logan. I'm the lead pastor here at Lower Manhattan Community Church. Um, if this is your first time, you're new to our community, or you're not receiving our emails, uh, we want to connect with you. And so the way that you can do that is you can scan the QR code that's around the room um, or on the screen for those watching online and just submit your name and your email. And we will just keep you informed throughout the week of all that's happening within our church family. We'd love for you uh, to be a part of it. And so I do want to highlight just two upcoming events that we want you uh, to commit to and engage with. Uh, the first is happening in a couple weeks. We are going to have our next worship night on March 2nd at 7 p.m. right here in this floor. And it's going to be uh, the first of what's going to become monthly worship night. So we want to prepare you for what's to come on that. But it's going to be on Ash Wednesday. And if any of you grew up kind of in a church that celebrated Ash Wednesday, I want to make sure I set the expectations. Um, because it's not going to be the practices of Ash Wednesday. We're not going to uh, give you ashes that, that evening. Uh, but it is going to be in the spirit of Ash Wednesday. And the spirit of Ash Wednesday is a chance for us to remember our great need of God. Um, the, the tradition is this call back to remember that we are mortal and we need the immortal and divine God in our lives. And it's a chance to call us back to end a relationship with him, that there are things that separate us. There's things in this world and in our lives that we are say, say this is not how it's supposed to be. And God agrees with that. And he invites us to kind of remove that from our lives um, to return to him. And so we're going to invite you into that evening. It'll be a beautiful night of worship. There'll be dinner and drinks to follow and a chance for us to engage as a community. Uh, the second is a special event that we have not been able to do over the last year, and we're excited to bring it back. And this is our all-church retreat. It's coming up on April 8th through the 10th. Yes, the closer you're going to get, you're going to hear me like whoop and holler and celebrate this, because this is really unique. Um, we stop our Sunday services, and we retreat we usually have gone to Princeton. This year, we're going to do it different. We're going to go out to Long Island. It's a short train ride. And we're going to spend the entire weekend together as a church family. And we intend for it to be this holy interruption because we want to kind of separate ourselves from our daily rhythms so we can have a fresh encounter with God, but also build relationships in this church family. This is one of the most unique things that we do as a community, and so we don't want you to miss it. Registration has opened, and, and spots are going to be limited this year because we're at a new venue, so we don't want you to miss out. So find a roommate, find a friend, bring them with you, and join us. So excited about that. And you're going to hear from it, about, about it more from Marcy here in a moment. She's continuing our sermon series. We've been in a series on healing relationships, that God wants to bring uh, joy and peace into every relationship that you find. And so we want to embrace how God leads us to do that. And Marcy's message is about being fully present, fully present with God, but also fully present with one another. And so it's not easy in our city to do that. And so I want to take a moment to pray that God would allow us to be fully present to what he's saying today. So will you pray with me before Marcy comes up? Father, as we were singing, it's just clear that you are here with us, that when Jesus gets lifted high, you come and walk amongst us. And so today we surrender to you our minds, our hearts, and our physical bodies, that we might be fully present 
in mind, body, and soul to what you're trying to do in our lives today and what you're trying to say to us. And may we be a community that is fully present with you in every relationship. We invite you to lead and teach us today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Give Marcy Miller a warm welcome. Good morning, everybody. Hey, can we just say, uh, can we just take a second and, and clap for that worship team? How, how great is that? You know, they, um, they have a specific job to usher the spirit of God into this room, and there's nobody that does it better. Um, and I, I, Alex Taylor and I did a devotional last week together for the Bowery on, the, on Zoom. And I told him, I just need you to call me every morning and sing for about 10 minutes, right? Just kind of soak me. So I, I'll just tell you that um, what, a, what a benefit that we're even able, right, to stand in a room and worship like that. But what a benefit to this church that we have people that truly stand up here to usher in the Spirit of God into this room with us and really put us in that place. So what a way to start our Sunday morning um, and Jasmine and I were talking in the back about, um, about Raise a Hallelujah, because that is my favorite song of all time. And I don't discuss with the worship team what they're going to sing, but um, that's God saying, that's God like tap me on the head going, I'm here, I'm here, right? And so I'm just so grateful that we even get to be part of that together. I am Marcy Miller, if you don't know me. Um, I am the Minister of Spiritual Formation, is that right? I think that's right, right? I, uh, yes, I, I forget what my title is sometimes. But, um, and if I haven't met you, I hope I get to after church today. I think I met most of you if I hadn't before when you walked in the door today, but I'm really happy to be here with you all this morning. I have this mic in front of me instead of the other one because I really want to be still for this sermon today, and I'm not a still person for those of you who don't know me. So um, I'm going to try to be still. Let me situate myself real quick. I'm going to put my Bible over here. Those, those people who know me will tell you I don't really need a microphone. Um, but anyway, I'm going to use the microphone because that is what the sound team would prefer that I do. Um, I'm going to open my Bible real quick to Matthew so I'm ready. All right, we're going to talk this morning, as Logan said, about being fully present. So now that I'm situated up here on my thing, I just want us to take a second. Whatever you're thinking about that's outside this room, I want you to jettison it. Whatever you're thinking about that's going to go on this afternoon, that's going to go on tomorrow, just forget it. For just a second, I want us to center ourselves in this room. This is your unfettered access to God. This next few minutes, you have the privilege and the benefit of sitting in the presence of God and nothing else. The world outside these walls does not matter right now. And I want us to think about what God wants to say to us this morning and not what we have to worry about after. And I'm gonna do the same thing for a second, right? Because there's lots going on and everybody's busy. But I want us to just stop and think about the fact that we need to be fully present. And we need to be fully present with God and with each other. And I'm gonna talk to you all about that this morning because I think we don't do a good job of that. And listen, being fully present is a discipline. It is something you have to practice. And we don't do a good enough job of it. And what happens when we're not fully present is we miss it. 
We miss what God has for us, and we miss what the person we may be talking to has for us, or what God has for us to give to them. Because there's always something else creeping in, right? Always something else creeping into the situation. So I want to talk about how we spend time with God and soak ourselves with him and be fully present and in his presence so that then that can translate into being fully present and in the presence of whomever you are spending time with. Because I would venture to say there's no value in spending time with God or spending time with others if you are not present. What are we doing? Right? Why are we spending the time? So I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about this discipline. So I want you to think about it that way this morning, that it's something that has to be trained. It's something we have to learn. Okay, how can we be fully present with God in order to receive the things we need, in order to be fully present with the people around us and the people that that God intends for us to interact with and do his kingdom work with? What is fully present, right? So you say, well, I'm here. I'm at church. I go to my community group. I do my devotional in the morning. But what else is going on while you're doing that? What else are you doing during those times? So think about the amount of time that you spend trying to work out the individual things in your life, right? All the things that have to get done. Think about the amount of time that you put into that. How much, and then I want you to conversely think about how much time do you spend thinking about your role in the kingdom of God? How much time do you spend trying to work out your individual stuff And how much time do you think about your role in the kingdom of God? And where's the disconnect? And you don't have to answer me, but I want you to think about it, right? I want you to let God convict you about that. I want you to let God talk to you about that. How much time do we spend mindlessly scrolling or taking in experiences that really don't have anything to do with us? Do you think about how much of your life is spectating something that probably doesn't have anything to do with you? And that's okay in its proper place, but where are you spending time soaking in the things that do have to do with you? Where are you spending time sitting in the presence of your creator, getting what he intimately and individually has for you, and paying only attention to that? Right? How much time do we spend doing that? What situations cause us to be fully honed in on God and listen to him as if our life depended on it? So I want you to think about this. If you lose your phone, what is your physiological response? Right? All hell breaks loose. Literally. Right? I can't find my phone. I can't find this. What am I going to do? I can't see what's going on. Somebody can't get a hold of me. Whatever. Everybody tell me where the Bible is in your house right now. And do you freak out when you can't find it? Nope. We got to think about that. We have to think about what we're worried about. What am I worried about? Where am I worried about spending time? Where am I worried about sitting at the feet of my God and getting what he has for me and paying attention only to him? Only to him. Not to anything else. And oh, by the way, protecting that time and not letting the enemy or anybody else impede on that time with God. It is yours And you have a right to it, and you should claim it constantly to get what you need to get from God. 
What situations cause us to be fully honed in? I want you to think about how much of your time during the week do you spend fully honed in on God, purposely and intentionally operating it as a discipline. When you go to the gym to lift weights and you put the 200-pound barbell above your head, not me, but some of you, whoever does that, are you paying attention to something else? Nope. You're honed in on the 200 pounds above your head, right? You have a discipline to it. You know when something is important and must be paid attention to. And I wonder when we do that with God. We've learned to be passive observers in our lives, even in our spiritual life. We, we just wait on God. I'm at church. Do what you got to do, God. I'm sitting here praying. Do what you got to do, God. God's like, but do I have your attention? Are you here with me? Real presence with others and healing in relationships will not come if you don't spend time with God. It begins, begins, and depends on how we choose to be present with God. Your relationships with other people and the friction that may exist there is directly linked to your ability to spend time in the presence of God. And you need to start thinking about where you have friction and where you have issues and things in your life that are just eating at you and make a connection to where, they, where they're eating at you and how much time you're spending in the presence of God, fully present, getting what he has for you. Because the, the scale is probably out of balance. Right? We need to think about that. And I would venture to say, as a warning, I wouldn't enter a situation with someone in personal interaction with them without going to sit in the presence of God first. We are missing a step. Right? We're missing a step. God wants to be the first person you come to before you go to heal a relationship or to try to do his kingdom work with another person. We have to be careful about that. The people to your left and right are God's children. He has plans for them and he loves them and you have responsibility to that. And so we have to be careful about how we interact with others when we haven't sought God first. We can do harm in God's kingdom. Not intentionally, but it doesn't matter. There's harm that can be done in those places. I read this, and, and I think it's just a really interesting quote. It's hard to create soul hospitality for other people if I have holes in my soul that leave me hungry and struggling to get what I need from them. You are supposed to get what you need from God, and then you give what he gives to you to others. When you are not doing that, you will harm someone, and you will harm yourself. You cannot interact with others when you have holes in your soul that are hungry for that person to fill, and they can't do that. Go to God first. Get what you need from him. Let him drive the interaction. Let him work that out. We get it backwards all the time. Or we just leave the whole first part out, right? Because we're so used to the human interaction. So in order to fill in those holes, we have to go after healing or renewal or restoration with God. That's what he's there for. It's the necessary step to any other relationship in your life. If relationships in your life are not working out, I venture to guess the relationship with God is not a priority. We are not spending time fully in his presence. Jesus was, was talking about this in the Gospels, right? He was trying to strip religion in the Gospels and the law and these, these checklist things and saying, be in relationship with me and be in relationship with others. If you read through the Gospels and you read the things that Jesus said and the way he interacted, he was talking about being in relationship. That was his whole point. Be in relationship with, with Jesus and be in relationship with other people. 
He wanted to bring everyone together. We're often told to live in the moment, right? If you want to see how to live in the moment, go look at what Jesus did in the Gospels. I'm going to read some of it to you here in a few minutes. Look at what he did in those Gospels. He spent time with God in a deliberate, intentional way, and then he spent time with people. And listen, the reason that's written down for us and we get a glimpse of that is because that's what he intends for us to do. That wasn't something for him to just do and for us to read. I heard recently this idea of being associated with something and not participating, and I think that's what Jesus was saying. You're associated with the religion. You're not participating in my kingdom. You're not participating in the relationship. And the whole reason that Jesus was so adamant about relationship with God is that he knew when things were going well, you would be okay, right? When things are going well, you, you're all right. People can do individualism. But when the battle starts, that's when we need the relationship with God and the relationship with other people. And we have to have done the front end first. We have to have spent time with God. We will want and need what we have not cultivated. When the battle starts, we will want and need what we have not cultivated. We have to intentionally do the work ahead of time. It's a proactive approach. That's what Jesus intended. Get it all early. Get it all filled in there. So when the battle comes, you're already filled up. You're already equipped. You already have what you need from me. There's two sayings in the army that I thought about when I was thinking about this part. There's no I in team. We used to say that all the time. And I used to think, that's so stupid. It's true, right? God intended us to be a team. We're supposed to be in this kingdom together. He intends for us to come to him individually, and he intends to us for us to come to him together. And then he intends for us to walk this out together, but not separate from him. Not without his inclusion. Then the other thing we used to say is there's no atheist in a foxhole. Everybody's fine when nothing's going on. The bullets start flying. Man, I want you. I want you to come help me, right? I want you to be in my corner. I want you to be standing there next to me. Jesus knew that. That's why he called us into relationship before the battle starts. Because he knew that was what you were going to need. He knew the disciples were going to need that. Jesus and later writings of Paul, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, were so evident that they want us to be present and participating in a relationship with God. Most of the New Testament is driving you to that. Get in relationship with God, right? Individualism and inward facing or seeking and hungering for relationship with God and other people. We have to move from the individualism and the inward facing to the seeking and hunger for God. And then that will cause us to seek and hunger for the people of his kingdom. It will cause us to seek and hunger for, for reconciliation, for love, for real relationship with each other. How do we become fully present? I want to read this to you out of Matthew 6. It's Matthew 6, 31. It says, so don't worry about the things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. The, the part I want you to get out of that scripture is seek the kingdom of God. Don't seek the church. Don't seek other people to fill in what you need, seek the kingdom of God. And when we think about that, I want you to ask yourself, what does that mean to me? What does the kingdom of God mean to me? Some of us aren't even sure, right? In order to seek, we have to be fully present. True seeking cannot be muddled with other things. If you're really seeking, the definition of seek says to go on a quest. Right? If I'm going on a quest for the kingdom of God, I am honed in. I am myopically focused on whatever God has for me in that quest. 
So how does the Bible say to do that? So let's look at Matthew 11. This is one of my favorite verses. Um, and it's something I think maybe we should write down and hang a post-it note in our house. It's Matthew 11, 25 to 30, and it says, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me reach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and I, the burden I give you is light. Listen, there is an activity in that passage. Come to me is an action. It is not passive. He is asking for your participation in that scripture. Come to me. It's what all relationships desire, isn't it? An action on your part. How did Jesus stay to be fully present, right? Come to me. Let me give you what you need. But you have to be fully present in the moment. You have to be fully honed in on me so that you can reap what I have for you. The message says, I, it says, come find the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. The unforced rhythms of grace. It won't be a forced thing in any relationship when you go to God and get into a rhythm with him. Where he's able to give you grace, he fills you, and you're able to go out into his kingdom and give grace. You can't do one without the other. Don't tell me that you're loving on people from grace if you're not spending any time getting filled up with it. You are wrong. And you are cheating them of the real grace of God because really what's happening is you're giving them your human limited grace. And God doesn't need you to do that. He needs you to give them his grace. The only way to be unforced is to be fully present with God and then with each other. Psalm 91 is one of my favorite psalms. It's a soldier psalm. I have it hanging on my wall in my house. If you've never read Psalm 91, you should get into it. It's fairly long, so I'm not going to read it to you here. But one of my favorite portions of it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Who doesn't want to dwell with God? Who doesn't want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High? Listen, you have a spot there with your name on it. Why aren't you going to occupy it? If we think about it, isn't it astounding that we don't run for that place over and over and over? I want to be here as much as I possibly can. I want to soak in the secret place of my most high. I don't have to be a spectator there. I don't have to watch what somebody else is doing. That's for me. I get to sit there and get what God has for me. Right? If you look in the Gospels, and I, and I keep saying that because I'm encouraging you to read the Bible. Wink, right? Like, read the Gospels. Get them out and look at them. Look at what Jesus did. Look at the way he interacted with other people. Look at the story of the Samaritan woman where Jesus sat down next to a well and was completely undistracted by anything else and just spoke to her and spoke into her. Right? Look at the stories of rest and true relationship that Jesus shows us, where he was myopically honed in on one person, paying attention in that relationship. And the only reason he could do that is because he had spent time myopically focused on his God and getting what he needed so then he could sit with that person. He was able to focus on who he was. Don't tell me you're too busy. He had people persecuting him and trying to kill him and thousands of people wanting something from him. And there was constant chaos and crush. 
And he still was able to shut out all the noise, go to his God, get what he needed, and then come to the people that God put in front of him and give them what they needed. And even Jesus knew that time spent away from God would eventually run him dry. And so if you read the Gospels, you see his rhythms of going to prayer, not around other people, not with earphones in, not with other people sitting nearby making noise. He would leave the crush of the busyness and go to the wilderness and sit with God until he got what he needed. Listen, you leave your dwelling place with God too soon, and then you come tell me you don't have what you need. Go back. Go back and sit again and sit again and sit again until you feel in your spirit that you have what you need. God isn't distracted. He isn't on his phone. He will meet you over and over and over. And you have to do it. It's, it is one of the most important things we can do, if not the most, most important thing. And you know, when I was writing this, I thought, man, this is going to sound really dramatic. I want it to be dramatic because we are missing it. You have a huge inheritance right at your fingertips, and we're not taking advantage of it. And I don't want you to miss it. Jesus was not doing 100 things at once. He was able to relax and let God work. God cannot work if you cannot focus. He can't. He needs to be able to use us. Make green pastures your spiritual address. I saw that in this, in this um, book that I was reading, and I thought, how do you do that? Like, don't we want to live? It said, make green pastures your spiritual address, not burnout street. I was like, yeah, all right, how do I do that, right? How do I get to the green pastures being my spiritual address? Well, I better know where it is, and I've never visited it, then it's going to be a little harder for me to find, right? So if I want that to be my spiritual address, I have to spend time there. I have to cultivate that place. I have to build that place up with God, right? It's like when we take medicine to heal. You know, in the army they used to give us, we called it army candy, soldier candy. They would, everybody just got issued this big bottle of 800 milligram Motrin. Here, just take it. You're going to need it, right? We just carried it around all the time. A couple of you guys have been in the military. You know what I'm talking about. We just carried 800 milligram Motrin around. 800 milligram Motrin doesn't work if you take one, people. It works if you stack it. If you want to be healed by God, you must stack him in your system. You have to go back over and over. Motrin has to be taken every six to eight hours. Figure out what your rhythm is with God. When do you need your spiritual Motrin from God? When do you need to go back and stack it in your system over and over and over until it starts to take the inflammation down? It starts to take the pain out. It starts to give you what you need and equip you to be able to come out of your own stuff and go into what God has for you and kingdom work. God is the medicine that you need. If you're skipping him, you won't get well. I promise you. I promise you. Now, I'm not telling you to discount medicine and science. I took my 800 milligram Motrin. I'm not saying that. I still do it now, right? That's my, that's my go-to. But if you want something to have full effect to heal you and make you able to do kingdom work, you have to stack God in your system. It's imperative. If you're coming to God's word just for knowledge, you're going to miss it. Come to him for who he is and what he has for you. Ask him what he has for you and stay there until he gives it to you. We have to be fully in God's presence. Jesus shows us how he goes in solitude and then he comes back and does what God needs him to do and then he goes in solitude and he comes back and does what God needs us to do. 
In Jesus 26, 36, this passage always cracks me up because I can just hear it in my head. And I think God says this to us every day. And in 26, 36, it says, Jesus is about to endure the crucifixion. They're up on the mountain. He's taking disciples with him. He's going to go and pray. And he's going to pray for God to not make him drink this cup of grief, right? He, he prays over and over. And he comes back down to the disciples and he says, can you not even stay awake while I'm praying? They're asleep. He's praying at one of the most critical moments in his human life, and they're asleep, right? And he, and he scolds them for that, and then he goes back and prays again, and then he has to come scold them again. Jesus shows us what it takes to be fully in the presence and to go back over and over. And how many times do you think God's saying to you, can you not even just stay awake for me to talk to you? Can you not get off your phone for five minutes for me to talk to you? I wonder what God's thinking when we won't turn our eyes to him and we won't pay attention. Can't you just be here with me? Don't you know what I have for you? How many times do we fall asleep during prayer, right? I quit praying when I went to bed. It's not a good idea. I have to be disciplined about when I pray. I have to be disciplined about when I spend time in the presence of God. I wouldn't make an appointment with you at bedtime or at a time when I knew I was gonna be distracted, or at a time when I knew I couldn't pay attention to you and look you in the eye. Why are we making appointments with God at a time when we can't give him our attention? We have to think about when we're making our appointments to God. Probably most of us shouldn't be doing that in a prone position. Being fully present and being fully in his presence. I want you to think about that. How am I fully present? How am I fully in his presence? Being a healing presence for others. It's in that order. Be fully present, be fully in God's presence, and then you can go out and be a healing presence in the presence of others. Don't do it out of order. We can't do that out of order. God is specific with us about that. You can't have the, the attitude of Christ, the way that he told us to do these things, and be in the spirit with others unless you learn a discipline of full presence. I wanna to read to you out of Philippians 2. This part of the Bible is Paul talking to the Philippians. And I just like the way he puts this to him because this is what we need to think about when we think about being in the presence of others and being with each other. It's really important for us to understand that we have responsibility to each other. If you have a New Living Translation, the actual heading for this part of the Bible is the attitude of Christ. And I just want to read a little bit of it to you. This is Paul saying, is there any encouragement for being, from belonging to Christ? Yes, let me answer that for you. Yes, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. You cannot have the attitude of Christ if you do not know who Christ is. And if you have not spent time with him and let him speak to you, we have to be full to serve. How do I learn to be fully present? What do I want to do in those interactions with God? And what do I want to do in interactions with other people? We talked about it in Matthew. Come to me. Come to God first. Ask him. And then you can go into those other areas. Don't skip that step. What do I need to gain by those interactions with God? Don't go in passive. Go in active. Here is what I need. God, give me what I need and give me anything else that I didn't know I needed. But you have to be fully present and ready to accept that and take that. Come to me is an action on your part. Don't sit passively and expect God to work in your life. He needs your participation. We have to be intentional. 
How do I fill myself so I can be fully satisfied and not deal with others from my wounds and my busyness? How can I ensure I'm in a place of healing in my presence with others? What steps do I need to take? I need you to think about that. How can you deal with God and sit with him from a place separate from your busyness and let him get after your woundings? How can you sit with other people not from a place of your woundings, from a place of being filled by God? We are walking around empty from the things God has for us, but we're full of all kinds of crap that doesn't have anything to do with us and doesn't have anything to do with the kingdom of God. And everything is fleeting or everything causes offense or everything causes anxiety or everything's unresolved because you have skipped the most important step, which is sitting in the presence of your God at his feet over and over and over and stacking what he has for you over and over and over. Go to Matthew 11, read that passage, come to me. What does it mean to you? It doesn't matter what it means to me. It matters what it means to you individually. What does it look like for you to go to God and get what you need from him repeatedly and have relationship with him? Some of you all I have met once. We don't have a relationship yet. That'll change because I am a supreme stalker. I will find you. Some of you I have met over and over and over, I know you intimately. I know how your mind works. I know what's going on in your life. I know who you are and what hurts you and what makes you happy. That's relationship. Do you know your God? And does he know you? Do you let him speak to you? Because you let all kinds of other sources speak to you. I know that because I listen to you. Tell me about it. When are we going to let God be the most loud voice? Think about if you can open your heart and take inventory. What's occupying space in there? Then you can allow God in, and he can speak truth and wisdom into those places, and then you can be a, a tool for him to use to speak truth and wisdom into this world. And let me tell you, does this world not need some truth and wisdom? Do we not feel responsible for that? Does it not weigh a little heavy that you are a child of God? And you have a job to speak truth and wisdom into this world. And you can't do it if you're not spending time with God. There's no way to do it. It's hindering you from healing and renewing your relationship. And the overflow is hindering relationships with others. So what if we go in and get filled up and then we're, we don't have a hindrance with God and we don't have a hindrance with other people? And there won't be so much friction in human relationships, right? If we go to Matthew 22, I'm going to leave you with this, the most important commandment. And I want you to think about it because we've read it over and over. Every one of you knows it. You must love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. You cannot do that if you don't know him and you are not fully present with him. So when I ask you, do you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you say yes, what did you do to get there? Where, what, what was the actions you took to build that relationship? You need to know. And then the second part of that says, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love anybody if you can't be fully present with them and know them and see them. You have to be fully present with God first and then in your relationships in a way that lets God work and not just worry about what you need or want. Let God work. He knows what you need. He'll take care of it. We need to learn to be fully present with God so he can be fully present in our relationships. It is non-negotiable. It's incredibly important. Listen, if we execute relationships without God, we will fail. 
We will fail ourselves. We will fail God's kingdom. We need to take it seriously. It's serious business to be fully present with God. We're going to go on this retreat, as Logan talked about, the beginning of April. Listen, I want us to be able to go to this retreat together and get out of the busyness of our lives for a reason. And the reason will be to have an encounter with God and then to have a spiritual encounter with those around us. Let's go to dig deep on how to be fully present. How can I be fully present with God and how can I be fully present in the community that he's placed me in? I have work to do here. I'm not a passive observer in this place, and neither are you. You don't have to be on the leadership of this church to have a role. God walked you in this door for a reason. I want you to think about that as we get ready to go to the retreat. What would it look like to have a fresh encounter with God? What would it look like to be able to be fully present? What would it look like to be able to leave the anxiety and the fear and the friction of my daily life and the busyness of this city and go sit in Long Island, New York, in a place where God will, will come in and soak, and I will sit in his presence, and I will know him, and he will know me a little better. Can't think of a better way to spend our time. And then I will know the people to my left and right, and when the battle begins, I will have cultivated the relationships, and they will be there. It's important. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for individual conviction in our hearts. Do we know you? Do we care to know you? Are we brave enough to sit in front of you and let us open every crevice? Are we brave enough to be vulnerable in front of our most high God? To say, I want to sit and look you in the eye and be completely present and completely yours. Am I willing to lay it all down, all the busyness, all the things that I think I'm responsible for, all the things that other people need from me, can I lay it down and just sit in your presence? And then will you equip me and fill me and send me out to do the things that you have for me? God, we're so grateful to be able to see the works of Jesus in these gospels that you wrote this down for us, not as something to read, but as something to live. Help us to care about the things Jesus cared about. Help us to model the rhythms that Jesus had with you. That we would reap the benefit of those relationships with you and then with other people in your kingdom. Lord, I lift these people up to you. I ask for you to show yourself to them in a new way. That they would feel and see you in a new way. That they would understand how much you want to spend time with them. How much you seek them. And that all you ask is that they seek you also. Lord, we pray this in your son's holy name.